Hello and welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that will love you for a thousand years. Hooray! Yeah, it's been we're feeling the love this week. Feeling the love this week for sure. This has been uh, quite a lot of fun this week, I think, reacting to last week's fiftieth podcast. Um, lots of people got in touch with us, messaged us, and and we're loving the, the the little cameos from our listeners and stuff. So I really enjoyed making last week's podcast, Andrew. Yeah, it was great fun, and yeah, loved hearing all the different voices and people. And yeah, people were genuinely chuffed that they got their voices on on a <laughs> podcast as well, which was great. Made yeah. their indelible that's mark. Me, that is, that's me. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> look, mum. <laughs> if only they knew um, yeah. how difficult it was to really make a podcast, then it's actually not that hard. So <laughs> they could just do it themselves if they want. Um, we just make it sound very hard sometimes. Uh, yeah, we probably do. Probably do. Well, we're here with uh, episode 51, uh, and we're back to a regular format, um, which, um, I mean, I really enjoyed having all the different tracks and all the different people talking last week, but um, I, I was up for like four hours editing that together, so um, <laughs> I'm happy to be back to a new music podcast this week. Um, what have you been up to this weekend, musically, wise speaking? Have you been doing anything? Uh, yeah, I was uh, through in Edinburgh on Sunday for the Connect uh, Music Festival. Yes. Um, so it was running on the, the Friday to Sunday, but I was just there for the, the Sunday. Uh, but yeah, I had a really good time. It was a very civilised uh, affair. Like it was very clean. It wasn't too busy. So uh, so not busy that I kind of wonder if they actually made any money on it, to be honest. I don't oh, know if they didn't, maybe didn't sell as many tickets as they hope. But yeah. um, but as a kind of like, I don't know, consumer experience, it was it was really nice, actually. What oh, an, an, just... an awful thing to say about a music festival. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I did enjoy it. Um, saw some good acts. So, I mean, the, the main reason I went was uh, for, look, finally got to see my beloved little sims which was just fantastic um yeah, right just get it all out of your system now go for it go for it oh man Pop she's it. just she's the she's just the coolest she really is um and I, i'd seen you know i've been watching some of our sets over the summer like the glass and reset and things like that so i kind of knew what to expect there wasn't that many surprises from from the track listing point of view but yeah she's just super super cool and um really got kind of got the audience going as well like she was I think she was like the second act on the main stage and she just really kind of brought the party as well. Um, so yeah, she was absolutely fantastic. Um, also saw Self Esteem, um, who, who put on a really cool show. That's cool. Um, kind of like a like a Northern Christine in the Queens like from, from the north of England, but just so she's got that kind of like everyday charm and humour to her. Yeah. Um, but also kind of choreographed dance routines and just uh, solid gold bangers all the way through that set. So, yeah, it was a very kind of persuasive set. And then um, some Mogwai, who were, who, were, who were good, just as the kind of, um, it was getting a bit darker. We had a kind of moody, brooding, quite apoc- apocalyptic set from them. Yep. And then the National, um, who, who I do really enjoy. Um I really enjoy the records, but I think they really kind of come into their own live. You know, they've kind of got this kind of radiant sadness to their songs that become really kind of anthemic when they're performed live in front of an audience and you've got the the crowd kind of singing back the words to them. So, yeah, they they were excellent as well. Oh, that's good. Um, So, yeah, so it was a 
good day has by all. So I didn't do anything as exciting uh, or, or outlandish as that, but I actually was I was just on uh, social media and I somehow came across an article, which it now turns out is three years old, um, about one of my favourite uh, records ever. And it prompted me to, to listen to the record for the first time in at least a decade and probably longer. Um, and the record is The Manic Street Preachers, The Holy Bible. Are you familiar with it, Andrew? Yeah. I am, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's not one that you, you tend to go back to very often because it's very heavy going, but it's it's pretty extraordinary piece of work. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's tough tough stuff to listen to in a way, and of course, like um, you know, that was a, a fairly turbulent time period for the band, and I think about six months or a year a year later, obviously one of one of the you know Richie Edwards went missing and, and all that sort of stuff, which which is quite a a well kent story, obviously. Um, amongst music fans, but the record itself, I just think, is a kind of singular piece of yeah. work. There's really mm-hmm. nothing else like it. I can't really compare it to anything in particular. Um, and I remember when I first heard it, um, it was my friend Greg who was on the podcast last week, actually, who passed it to me. And I remember thinking it sounded like evil in some way. Um, yeah. Like it just has this intense sense of like. Uh, fear and loathing all over the record and, and just this impending sense of doom the whole time um, and uh, I wouldn't be so um, cliche as to just say well they were about to have a turbulent time in their personal lives and all that sort of stuff so maybe this was the, the, the record that they, they made because I think they're actually brainier than that and I think they were yeah. they were, they were were aiming for that as well that was the kind of music that they really wanted to make so um, but yeah what, what an amazing amazing record it is, yeah. It's it's absolutely packed with um with references and information and emotions and that kind of stuff. Like yeah, they were very kind of learned readers and and, and they kind of brought it all into the into that, that record. Um all the all the all the different voices at the starts of the re- at the starts of the sort of tracks and stuff like that are just it's just really, really well put together. And yeah, it's got some fantastic songs on it as well you know like i mean faster is an incredible song yeah um she that, is that actually begins like with um that that uh, song faster actually begins with a, a clipped bit of dialogue from 1984 uh, the movie in mm-hmm. 1984 but and it's john hurt that's uh, delivering the the dialogue and the, all the all those dialogue clips come from like documentaries and yeah all that kind of stuff so it's just you know it's just unbelievable uh and it sent me down a sort of I won't quite say a rabbit hole, but I did. I did spend uh, the duration of time listening to the record, like just googling stuff and looking up references and reviews and all this sort of stuff. And it is a singular piece of work, and I just yeah. can't imagine, um, you know, it being. I can't imagine a band releasing that today. I can't. I don't know who would do it, um, and who would do it as well. You know, it's it's really cohesive, and even the cover art is uh, has a sort of like horrible beauty to it you know can't look mm-hmm. away from it it's, it is in some ways a, a a perfect record or at least a very 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 good one so um so yeah that's what i've been doing this week um and uh yeah we're ready to talk about some some new tracks today um do you have them to hand you can tell us what they are i do yes so we've got new tracks from art the monkeys caitlin rose goat sylvana estrada and Cass McCombs. Yeah, uh, uh, a lovely bunch uh, this week and uh, a kind of a different selection. Is there a unifying thought process behind these ones? I know you were kind of tweaking away at the playlist. 
uh, this weekend? Yeah, I had I had three that were kind of uh, locked down, if you like, and then just today, uh, go and Arctic the monkeys uh, drop new tracks. So I thought we need to get these, those in there somewhere. So so yeah, so that's kind of thrown any kind of uh, you know any kind of theme out the window, really. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think, I think there's, there's plenty to say about these tracks this week. Yeah, there is a there is a thematic uh, link between some of these tracks, which I'll maybe try and. Uh piece together whether it was intentional or, or otherwise doesn't really matter i think there is there is something there um okay so um just before we get started this week i think i'm going to do this right up front um we didn't introduce ourselves this is this is like 51st episode rot setting in i think um <laughs> would you would you like to introduce yourself and plug your instagram my friend absolutely yeah so my name's andrew and i write about music on instagram at kidagh86 that's cool. Uh, my name's Ian, and I'm guitarist in Glasgow band uh, The Deadline Shakes. And uh, I'm pleased to say that we had our first playing of our track, um, Ditching of the Roses, at the end of last week's podcast. Um, and you can find us on social media at Deadline Shakes. So please go and seek that track out and then uh, send us some lovely messages. That'd be nice. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's definitely a good shout as the first single. That's a, that's a belt of a track. Yeah, and I, I I don't want to say too much. Um, I haven't quite signed a non-disclosure agreement, but um, things are moving forward on the release of uh, album two, and hopefully in in the not too distant future, I'll have announcements about singles and and albums and stuff very soon. Um, so Ooh, I'm, I'm excited exciting. about that. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but enough about that. Uh, I'm on my music podcast, so I better talk about that. Um, so if you guys want to support the music podcast. We love it when you like our Instagram, retweet our tweets, um, send us messages, questions, all that stuff. If you feel like you can support the uh, podcast financially, then do you know what, Andrew? You can. Just go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash wehairdwonders, drop us a, a latte or an Americano or possibly two, and you'll help us pay for the ongoing running costs of this podcast. Yep, it'd be rude not to really, wouldn't it? I think so. And you made a really good um, mathematical point last week, which is if you drop us, what, like, was it 5p a podcast or 10p a podcast, um, you know, that'll really give us a significant shove along uh, to, to running this podcast for the next year. Definitely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's get on with um, small indie outfit, uh, Arctic Monkeys. Um, and uh, do you know what? Every time I go to say the name of this track, I'm worried I'm going to screw it up. So I'm just going to leave it to you. Is it, there better be a mirror ball. Is that right? That's the one. Yeah. Theard. I don't think I can remember a track with the word theard in it before. That's a, that's a new one for me. Is there another theard track? Theard. I can't think of one, but yeah, I think that's a kind of classic Art the Monkeys thing to get those kind of nuances of language or maybe like a bit of dial dialect in there somewhere yeah. kind of thing so yeah Absolutely. so it's right on brand, on uh, brand there indeed. better be a mirror ball there better be a mirror ball
a mirror ball there by Arctic Monkeys their first record in a number of years um, and I don't know how much biographical information you'll have to give here Andrew or whether you're just going to contextualise the track for us what do you think? Yeah I'm guessing most people know who the Arctic Monkeys are um, as you say it's been a wee while so it's, it's four years since uh, the race of what was probably the most polarising record uh, which was uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino uh, which was quite a, a bold 
kind of sideways step, really, because you're talking about a concept album. It was musically inspired by Serge Gainsbourg and Diamond Dogs, either Bowie, uh, depicting Alex Turner as this kind of lounge lizard, lounge act figure who's kind of taken up residency in this uh, leisure complex on the moon. So, you know, it's, it's not your kind of typical, you know, headlining Reading and Leeds style I, yeah. album. Um, and it, it, it was polarizing, as I say. So, like, some people were declaring it as their kind of masterpiece. And I know there's a lot of people. Uh, that, that I know that, that kind of said it's the first Art the Monkeys album that they've really liked in a way because it was it was kind of like this one for the heads almost. It was kind of like them showing off their kind of uh, their chops as a band, and it was re- referencing these quite cool things. Um, but then other people just kind of felt like it was just a total mis- misjudgment, you know, just kind of lack of anthems and immediate hooks. Um, it was a long way from Fate Tales of San Francisco, you know. So yeah, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it never it never really struck me as a band that were particularly lacking in confidence. But but I think it would have been very kind of easy for them to kind of retreat into the comfort zone of uh, some of those earlier releases. But it seems off the basis of this track um, that they haven't done that. I was actually I was actually watching their um, their live set from uh, Reading. Uh, from the weekend that's on uh-huh. iPlayer at the moment, and it was just absolutely brilliant set. Um, you know, just absolutely stacked with like hits and tunes, and just the audience were just chanting along to every riff, let alone every chorus. You know, <laughs> it was just an amazing set. But I think it was quite telling that there was only one track from Tranquility Bass uh, in that set. Um, so I think they kind of knew their audience there, but it seems like on record they're quite keen to kind of move further. Uh, in that direction, in that kind of sof- more kind of sophisticated direction, if you like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. Do you know? I'm kind of. I'm kind of worries me. So, so cut you off. But do you know what kind of worries me about people who think that Tranquility Base is the best Arctic Monkeys album? They strike me as the kind of people who think that the Beatles only got good when they made Revolver. Right. They, that 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 kind of worries me, right? Because. Um, the lyrical, the, the whip smart lyrical stuff that Alex Turner does for Arctic Monkeys has been present since the first record. Um, and some oh, of it that you look back on now is a little bit hackneyed and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, uh, at the time, there was a sort of gritty kind of Sheffield poetry to the, to the whole thing. And it's a bit naive and all that sort of stuff. Um, and as, as they've uh, got older, they've obviously become interested in other things. And I'm almost, I'm almost the opposite. Um, I listened to Tranquility Bass a lot. I really, really wanted to like it. And I thought it was okay, pretty good, um, but I certainly didn't love it. And I would say it's, it was nowhere near um, them at the height of their powers. I would say the first uh, two Arctic Monkeys records and AM probably represent them at their absolute best. So that's that's where I'm coming at Arctic Monkeys from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like Tranquility Bass, but I, I feel like... The first track, uh, Star Treatment, was just such a perfect encapsulation of what they were trying to do on that record that, that the rest of it kind of felt like variations yeah. of the theme a little bit. Yeah. So I think that was I was a tr- terrific track, and then the rest maybe maybe didn't didn't really need need to be there almost for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and in terms of them kind of progressing, I mean, they've always done that. They've always kind of moved to the next thing. Uh, it could have been very easy for them after the first record, you know, which was like 
was like the fastest selling debut since definitely maybe it was 10 out of 10 in NME won the Mercury Prize. You know, that, that could easily have kind of weighed them down, but they just, you know, quickly rushed on to the next thing. I think, I think um, you know, the second album was out the year after. And then yep. from there, they've kind of done the, the Desert Rock thing with uh, Humbug and they've done the kind of 60s and 70s pop thing with Circuit and Sea. And then you've got those fantastic riffs on AM. So they've, they've always kind of been moving forward with that. Um, so I don't think it's really that surprising that they're, they're continuing on a path with, with this new one. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the track? So it's only been released today. So how many times have you listened to it and what Ooh. do you think of it? I've spun it a few times now. I couldn't t- couldn't put a number on it. Um, but I, as I, as I may have already suggested, I did come to this with a sense of trepidation, especially mm-hmm. when I heard the first like thirty to forty seconds, and it was all sort of piano riff and stuff. And I and the video is I watched it on YouTube. Um, the music video is all super retro camera stuff, really grainy. And I just thought, oh, it's more of this. It's more of this stuff. It's not mm-hmm. here's the guitars, where's the riffs and everything. And my first listen was basically just through, I don't know, what's the audio equivalent of like peeking through your fingers as you, you know, have them across your eyes or whatever (laughs) that is. Um, But I have to say, um, once I'd sort of got over myself, basically, because that's more of a me problem than an Arctic Monkeys problem, um, I, I really liked Alex Turner's crooning vocal style in this. I thought the whole thing was very just sounded very dramatic. I can't think of an Arctic Monkey song that has as many strings as this track has on it. It's absolutely like splashed with strings all over the place. Yeah. Um and I thought the chord progression, the writing of this track was very clever. The lyrics, I, I probably just haven't had enough time with them just yet, but they seem kind of introspective, morose, poetic as always, kind of obtuse and hard to really put your finger exactly some some sort of relationship or maybe he's talking about himself not not entirely sure um probably take a bit of time to settle on me um this track has definitely grown on me today and um i mean i'll uh, arctic monkeys are a band for me like like, they're like radiohead or uh arcade fire or or something like that where they've just built up such you know equity with me over the over time that i'll yeah I'll, i'll listen to the record and see what see what it's like and i'll give it a fair a fair listen so this has actually made me very curious about what the record's going to be like, I would say. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, yes, yeah, so I've listened to this about four or five times today, and I think the word the word for me that I would use is impressive. You know, I think it's an impressive sounding thing. The, the production's immaculate on it, and the yeah. strings, you know, you really can be even those strings. And uh, yeah, so, so from that, it sounds great, but I, I, I don't, I don't feel like the tune or, or a hook has kind of revealed itself to me quite yet. Mm. Um, so I, 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 do, I, do, I, like, I like the kind of extended intro to it. It's a very kind of John Barry. It reminds me of like the Persuaders theme or something like that, or some of his kind of stuff that he's done for Bond. Oh, it's super um, cinematic. Yeah, very cinematic. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, the, the lyrics feel a little bit more kind of, um, kind of straight talking almost. The, the normal from him, like in terms of the, there's not that kind of uh, you know, kind of killer turn of phrase or unusual word choice that you often get with Alex Turner. It's all kind of you, you know, all of these words are just kind of standard, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, there's, there's none of those kind of clever, clever double entendres or anything like that here. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think the, the track takes its time, it's a lovely sounding thing, but 
I don't think it's wholly satisfying. I think it, maybe it will work better as a kind of album opening stage setter almost to 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 the bigger album. Um, I think the the first line though, um, don't get emotional. That ain't like you. Um, I I think that might be a double entendre because it sounds like he's talking to somebody. Um, but in the age of you know me too or whatever, you you don't really want to explain to someone that they're being too emotional. Um, so then I'm thinking, well, is he actually talking to himself? Um, you know, ain't like you to be so emotional. Um, and it, obviously with the with the, the last record, it's got that wild concept thing where he's the lounge singer on a on a moon and all that stuff. It, it's almost like that was a big act, like he was a character. Yeah. Um, to, to, and here it feels a little bit like he's maybe just it's maybe just a little bit closer to the heart. And as you said, there's maybe a little art, little less artifice here. Yeah. With the lyrics. Um, and that's what I mean. Like the, these thoughts are just like seeds that I'm kind of growing at the moment. I don't know exactly what I think about the lyrics just yet, but um, yeah. I mean, even even the album title is quite intriguing. Like it's called the Car, which it, it, one it sounds like a Seinfeld episode, but two it kind of sounds like it it could be like. Um, you know, some kind of narrative-based work where the car yep. is kind of at the centre of some kind of narrative, or maybe he's going on a journey somewhere, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's very kind of intriguing. Well, even in so this track, even in this track, it says, "Do you want to walk me to the car?" Like the car represents the end of the evening, the end of the whatever it is that they happen to be yeah. doing. But then also says, "Can we be sure that there's a mirror ball like in the car or at the destination?" But the, that, like a mirror ball, would be like in a in a club or something. So that would be not the end of the night. So there's just stuff there that I'm not quite piecing together yet. So yeah. um, we'll see we'll see where that takes us. But um, but yeah, I mean, who doesn't like New Arctic Monkeys? I mean, it's at least it's it's pro- this is a proper proper band with proper songs. God, I sound like I don't know Sam Allardyce or something. <laughs> um, but it's like this is this is like. Solid music you can really get your teeth into, and um, if anything, this is even more of a more of a turn away from the Arctic Monkeys rock, you know, style um, than yeah. even the last record was. The last record had guitars and you know fairly prominent ones, and this is even more cinematic and, and stuff than than that. Yeah, that's so. true. I was talking to somebody who'd who'd went to see them at the Leeds Festival, and they played another new track there, and he said it had a very kind of Bowie esque funk to it. Mm. Um, so maybe this is their kind of plastic soul period that we're, that we're coming into here. I oh, don't well. know. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Let's have a listen to it when it when it drops on our laps. And so the record, the car, it's coming out in October, isn't it? Is that right? Sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So not long to wait. Not long to wait. Okay. Cool. Arctic Monkeys review check, and now we're on to something different. So we're on to um, Caitlin Rose. <laughs>
was Black Obsidian by Caitlin Rose and uh, yeah she's another returning artist after a wee while away and there is a link between her and the Art of Monkeys as well well I discovered uh, it in my detailed research I know what it is oh there you go so you've seen how clever my programming is uh... <laughs> as ever as ever <laughs> it was ever thus it was ever yeah. thus there you go um, yeah so Caitlin Rose uh, she is an alt country singer, songwriter and guitarist uh, based in Nashville, Tennessee and uh, yeah, she's become known for her wry, fresh spin on country and folk tropes and there's always been a a, a good helping of pop in there as well Um, she released her debut album back in 2010 uh, to rave reviews, it was called Own Side Now um, there's an amazing track on that called For the Rabbits that I'd recommend for a taster um, and then she had the follow up in 2013 called The Stand In but yeah that's nearly 10 years that she's been away so that makes me feel very old <laughs> um, and and yeah there is there is that link between her and the Arctic Monkeys do you want to say what it is? Or yeah shall I? Hopefully I've got the right thing. I'll, I'll just check that I've got the right thing here. So I, I believe that she released two Monkeys tracks, two Arctic Monkeys tracks, two covers as an EP a few years ago for Record Store. She did, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. So in between those two albums, uh, she released a lovely seven-inch uh, with two tracks from Circuit and Sea on there. So there's Power Driver Waltz and Love is a Laser Quest. And yeah, it's, it's a, a really, really nice little... Uh, item if and, and two really nice tracks they're quite faithful reading so they're kind of tipping their hat to Alex Turner as a kind of pop craftsman mm-hmm. but there's also these kind of lashings of slide guitar on it as well that kind of give it a kind of country twang yeah. so yeah it's pretty cool and I think like, on this return she's kind of pulling from a lot of the same period that the Arctic Monkeys were around that time you know, like kind of 60s and early 70s stuff uh, some of the stuff that Alex Turner was pulling from with the Last Shadow Puppets as well. Yeah. So you've got that kind of like um, orchestral 60s pop stuff. Um, there's a lot of Scott Walker in there, a bit of Lee Hazelwood. Um, and yeah, something very noirish about this track. You know, you obviously got the word black in the title, but I think there's that kind of uh, noirish mystery feel to it. And it's something kind of sweepingly dramatic about the, the track as well with those orchestral thunderclaps that appear at the start of the track and reappear throughout um and yeah i think it's i think it's a nice nice little track nice track yeah um something about this and i don't know what this i'm about to shame myself here something about listening to this track made me write like um really like uh over the top notes about this like really sort of um i don't know i don't know what the phrase i'm looking for here verbose 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 notes i wrote 
so this is just my notes. So this wouldn't necessarily be what I'd normally say out loud, but this is just what I scribbled down. I wrote, nice country rock vibe. Steel guitar hovering over the track like buzzing electric wires. Not sure why I wrote that. I mean, oh, it's like kind of what I think, but it's not something I would normally say out loud or ever write down or even really think. So I'm not really sure where that came from. Lovely bit of simile there from me. Fantastic. Oh, that's good. Uh, but um, <laughs> I think that this this track and the Arctic Monkeys track do share a fair amount of similarities. One or yeah. two, certainly. Yeah. This mm-hmm. one's this one's definitely poppier. Um, and but it's 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 I would say it's just edgy enough to be considered maybe like alt country. Yeah. But then it's also got a bit of rootsiness in it as well. Um, so it's 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 an interesting track. Um, it's almost as if someone who is like. I mean, I don't know a huge amount about Caitlin Rose, so I could be speaking out of church here, but it's it's almost as if you've got someone who is essentially a country musician and wants to play in that style, um, but also wants to play rock, and they're sort of trying to find the the methodology to do it. It's, it's really good. I, I like the uh, mid-late, where the drummer goes into a sort of four-to-the-floor um, rhythm, you know, a kind of nod to... Uh, no, to Motown kind of rhythm there a little bit, um, and it just picks up the pace and intensity of that that segment in the middle. So overall, yeah, thought this was a really good uh, a really good track and a nice introduction to me to Caitlin Rose um, with Black Obsidian. So enjoyed it. Good, yeah, excellent. Uh, the, the Black Obsidian Stone uh, I learned is a powerful cleanser of psychic smog. And it has powerful metaphysical properties that will help to shield you against negativity. Yeah. So I don't know if she's kind of talking about some kind of toxic situation that she's got into in the past, whether it be a relationship or, you know, some other experience in her life. Um, she's talked about uh, this 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 gap between the records. So when she first came out, it was in her, she was in her early 20s and she was talking about the fact that she didn't really feel like she was ready for any kind of, um, you know, acclaim or fame or or stardom or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, so I think she's taken quite a bit of time just to try and get her head around that a little bit. Um, and the title of the album is called Kazumi. Um, and apparently Kazumi is an astrological term. So she's obviously been reading her stars at the time that she's been away. Very good. That kind of stuff. Um. Astrological term for when a planet is such close proximity to the sun that it's considered to be in the heart of it, um, and that's how, she was saying that's how she felt when she was in the in the, the limelight um, first time around. You know, she was just stuck in the middle, and she just didn't really know what to do with herself when she was there. Just just felt very kind of uncomfortable for her. Mm-hmm. So I think that's some of the stuff that she's exploring on this record, which is quite interesting. Um, cool. But yeah, hopefully she'll she'll enjoy it a bit more this time around. Yeah, I enjoyed her track, so uh, more power to her elbow, as they say. Um, so yeah, Caitlin Rose, that's a that's a, a thumb up from me. I won't give it both thumbs, but I'll give it a single thumb. Um, I did like it, Black Obsidian. Um, and I think we're on to track number three of this week. And this is a weird one, isn't it? This is an odd one. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's but it's fun, I think. Yeah, fun, fun, weird, fun, weird, fun, scary, weird. That made me cry. <laughs> uh, okay, so this this is the this is the artist uh, goat, and the track is called "Under No Nation," and 
I, I do think they've got some balls <laughs> calling this a radio edit. Um, yeah. You're probably not going to hear this on Radio 1. Uh, but anyway, here we go. So it's uh, Goat Under No introduction from days gone past okay you ready here it comes so that was goat with under no nation andrew what was that all about <laughs> yeah classic <laughs> um so this is the return of goat there's a lot of returning acts this week um and they're a big favorite of mine actually um, and the acronym stands for gathering of ancient tribes so maybe maybe that gives you some idea of what it's all about. Okay. Um, and <laughs> and I, I've bonded with many people uh, in the vinyl community on Instagram uh, over this group. Um, so they're in trans. These are my words. They're entrancing troop of pagan psychedelists. 
How about that? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, whether, whether it's kind of people getting in touch, uh, saying that they've kind of checked out some of their, their previous records, because I've posted about these guys before, or whether they've been kind of infusing about uh, the live shows, which are just these incredible technical or sensory overloads. Um, so you get the kind of dress in this uh, in, in these uh, these masks and robes and that kind of thing, um, and they come out with staffs and they're like flailing their staffs around in between guitar solos and that kind like of thing. Like Gandalf. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so you got these these kind of like sizzling guitar solos, percussive patapato, tribal masks, mass chanting, and yeah, just amazingly good fun to see live. Um, and then you've got the kind of backstory, which, if you believe it, is is that they um, they all got together, living together in a commune in a small Swedish village. Um, so that's the kind of backstory. I for knew them. there was going to be a commune uh, involved. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, they're um, not so, so much a band as a, a Netflix documentary, really, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they had an album, uh, the debut album called World Music. Uh, which is one of my favourite psych records of of the last um, last few years, really. Yeah, just just a, a fantastic record. Um, as the title suggests, rightly or wrongly, their kind of mo is to kind of they kind of feel like all genres and all kind of cultural signifiers are up for grabs, kind of thing. So they yeah. just they, any kind of um, suggestions of kind of cultural appropriation, they just don't really worry about it. But they just kind of bring everything together. So you've got funk and psych and disco and jazz, uh, some kind of some of the kind of doomier elements of of heavy rock as well. Um, so yeah, I'd really recommend uh, that record, World Music, if if people don't know it. Um, and then the previous record was called Requiem, um, and it was kind of noticeably more subdued and kind of rustic and folk influenced. And the longer that the time went on. Fans were kind of thinking, oh, that's probably the end. Uh, but now, after Requiem, we've got this new one that's that's just been announced, and it's called Oh Death. And, uh, yeah, so they, they reconvened last year to record some new material for a B-Sides and Rarities uh, co- collection called Head Soup. So you've got Goat's Head Soup, if you see what they, see what they did there. That's a belter. Um, and, um, yeah, they, they recorded, I mean... I mean they recorded these couple of new tracks and I think maybe the action of doing that and also compiling some of this older material that typically they would kind of save the most kind of face-melting weird stuff for these kind of standalone releases. So I think having having that experience of compiling that collection seems to have kind of reinvigorated them here. Um, and this record does kind of have that kind of urgency and energy to some of their earlier stuff. Um, which I think fans will be quite excited by. Um, and that kind of under-known nation, I mean, that's kind of classic goat sloganeering, really. That yeah. kind of idea of, yeah, as I said, just that everything's up for grabs kind of thing. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's one one big uh, melting pot almost. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm the same as you. I, I kind of laughed at this kind of idea of a radio edit. But I would be quite keen to kind of hear the longer version which presumably just stretches and freaks out um even yeah. further so excuse excuse me how long's left in the set 20 minutes this song lasts <laughs> 20 minutes 
<laughs> I feel this one goes. Um, okay, yeah, so exactly. I uh, I would like to give some thoughts on this here track. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's got some kind of like it's just got like this looming feeling of dread over the whole thing. Um, yeah, which I think is probably because the bass guitar, which is played with with not 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 a, a not a small amount of skill, um, but the way it's placed on the recording, it's almost as if it's just you know. It's like fifty percent the rest of the song and fifty percent bass guitar. It's really loud and and very present, especially in uh, certain speaker environments and stuff. Um, so I think that's what gives it this kind of like doom doom quality, doom laden yeah. quality. Um, the music video, however, I don't know if you've seen the music video. It's an absolute assault on the eyes. It's almost as if every second, like you're getting a magic eye puzzle. And it's just being replaced every like you know, second, <laughs> click, click, click. Right, okay, and there's yeah, just I've these like, str- strange like quasi pornographic images just flying past you all the time. And um, I was actually watching the music video with my dog, right? And <laughs> <laughs> Ringo doesn't like he doesn't uh, he doesn't watch a lot of telly with me. He'll just be around while I'm watching telly. But he was freaked out by the music video. <laughs> He was actually sitting, oh, was pushed in front of him, and he was like craning his neck back to try and get away oh, from it. No. That's how bloody weird it was. Um, you said it's a fusion project. I, I counted about five genres, and then I just stopped trying to count. Like it was all, it's yeah. all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, not sure I loved the whole thing. I would before you. I didn't need you to say. Listen, me and all the vinyl lads, we loved this one. You know, I kind of knew. <laughs> I sort of knew this was one of those ones. Um, but I, I, and again, you said this, but I, I already also knew that I bet this would be really cool to see live. To me, this oh, is man. the kind of band that like Wayne Coyne would probably listen to when he's feeling like he wants to get freaked out by something, you know? Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> and <laughs> the highlight of the track for me comes really quite near the end um, when this super squelchy, distorted guitar solo bursts into life and the actual playing of it, I'll not get into the, the weeds on this one, but the actual playing of it is nothing very difficult. You know, it's nothing that like a sort of intermediate to, to pretty decent player wouldn't kind of just noodle away at and come up with themselves. But just the sound of it, just the tone of it sounds really, really good. It pierces right out of the track. Um, yeah. So that, that was my highlight of the track. And uh, that's a weird one. That is a weird one. They are weird, but yeah, they're, they're very they're very exciting. and And... Yeah, seeing them live as I say, buying the artwork as well, buying the records just purely for the artwork, if not the music, you know, just always amazing, colorful, mind bending things, you know. Yeah, they help us weave life's rich tapestry. Absolutely. Yep. I'm all for it. (laughs) Speaking of rich tapestry, I feel like this next one is some kind of like delicate thing that you know someone's grand might uh sew for them and, and put up on the wall one of those things um <laughs> absolutely love this track so this is uh brindo by uh silvana estrada brindo por este afán de libertad por la firme esperanza de cambiar brindo por esta fuerza al caminar por la vida y por el mar brindo por las almas que se fueron dejando en su camino claridad 
brindos por la simple idea del viento Luchando contra un viejo temporal Brindos por la gente que nos salva En cada beso lento y de verdad Por encontrar un nuevo día Donde quepa tu amor y mi alegría Brindo por devolvernos la sonrisa Y de a poco que se haga brisa Brindo por el río y el silencio Por regresar a casa aunque esté lejos Brindo por cruzarme en tu camino Y así mi voz vuelve a tener sentido Brindo por hacer tu piel destino Y por volver a ver a los amigos Para regresar a casa aunque esté lejos Brindo por cruzarme en tu camino Y así mi voz vuelve a tener sentido Brindo por hacer tu piel destino Y por Okay, uh, so that is Brindo by Silvana Estrada. And um, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote these notes today, by the way. Some really weird stuff written in here. Um, I just wrote the words Fry meme, like, you know, the guy from Futurama, the main character, Fry. You know the meme with him that just says, take my money? That's really just what I was thinking <laughs> as I listened to this track. I was just like, wow, this is, like, incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, my partner and I were sitting listening to this track and just, like, what is what is this this is beautiful yeah um this is an absolute like uh bam for the soul in fact talking about your programming of a playlist it was very wise i think to have go on it uh (laughs) and then have this on it fourth um yeah it's like soft and warm um all the way through the the voice uh sylvana estrada's voice is truly controlled and um you know it's an impeccable delivery of this track gentle but powerful um and it's got like real uh like it's got a real sort of brassy quality to it as well at times um and a, tr- a trebly sounding voice if i can put it that way um but yeah loads loads of soul to this voice as well i feel um the guitar playing very subtle um intricate without being showy at all it's just there it supports 
supports the, the incredible performance of the vocal. Um, I generally find Mexican music uh, and culture as well, actually, generally, has a kind of like mystical, like, you know, passionate lure to me. Like, I always like, you know, I'm always kind of drawn to Mexican culture. I don't really know what it is. I visited Texas with my parents when I was really young, and I've always kind of just remembered all the all the cool Mexican stuff we saw there. Um, and uh, yeah, I was absolutely enchanted by this track and by Silvana as well. When I went and did some research on it as well, I just thought, what a, what a, an amazing artist. So uh, yeah, fry me, take my money. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, I've, I've been yeah, en- enchanted. Word, I've just been totally enchanted with this track uh, last week or so. And yeah, just such a lightness of touch that she's got. And the stuff is so natural about it. It's almost as if it's like, this tune was floating on the breeze and she's just kind of plucked it out of the sky. There's just something mm. so kind of, yeah, natural about it. And and so sparse as well, you know, it's just her and a four-string, it's a four-string Venezuelan instrument called a cuatro. Oh. I don't know if you've heard of those before. No, no. Um, uh, but yeah, just just brilliant. And um, yeah, I think she is a special artist. Uh, so she released a quiet gem of a record in January called Marchita. Um, which had moments of sparse beauty such as this, but also had some tracks that were a little bit more ornate. They had a bit of a kind of chamber folk feel to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd really recommend that album. Uh, it's been it's, it's been gaining a, a sense of kind of word of mouth momentum as the years gone on. You know, people have kind of tuned into it and have been really quite taken with it. So yeah, I think that will be coming up on a lot of end of year lists. Um, and this is a track from her upcoming EP called Abrazo, um, and Brindo, the title, actually means a toast. Um, so in the track, she's kind of reeling off a list of things that she's grateful for, so she's saying, here's to this and here's to that. Um, and, yeah, just I just think there's a kind of a really kind of healing quality to it. It's almost as if she's kind of saying these affirmations to herself to yeah. remind herself on a regular basis of all these amazing things. Um, so in the translation, it's things like, she says, here's to the people that save us. Here's to the simple idea of the wind. Here's to finding a new day where your love and my joy fits. Here's to giving us back the smile. And little by little, it becomes the breeze. So yeah, when you're talking about that kind of mystical quality, there is something very kind of like like the childlike almost mm-hmm. uh, to this, which is, which is really kind of big island, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean th- this track actually. I was I was looking back through it. There's clips on YouTube uh, dating back about six years of her doing this track in different versions. So it's obviously one that she's had with her for a while. Uh, but I guess there's something you know about the idea of a toast being a kind of ritual that kind of that kind of works. That this it's a, a track that she keeps going back to and and repeating to herself yeah. to, to give her, to give herself something. So I, I like that about it. And uh, yeah, I just yeah, just can't say enough nice things about it. Really, it's just just an absolutely gorgeous track. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So it's it's kind of lovely in a way that you know not everything is. It's some it's something set sort of like it's a little sort of perfect nugget of something. Yeah. Um, you know, a little ingot of gold perhaps or, or something like that. It's just it's just kind of to me one off. And I, I'm going to say I'm going to say kind of a weird thing here. I'm probably not going to listen to any more Sylvana Estrada. I don't. I don't see myself doing it unless you put it on a future playlist in the line sometime. Um, that was just. That was just great. Like I just. That was it. That's what I needed. Like it was. It was 
perfectly placed in the playlist and loved it. Good. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, just hit the right spot at the right time. Hit the spot, Sometimes yeah. that's enough. Like a well-made cup of tea, you know, or a, or a neatly done sum or something like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, so let's move on to our final new track of the week, um, which again, some, I don't know what it is, but there's something thematic or, 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 you know, just in the mood about maybe like all of these tracks in a way that kind of links them. I can't quite put my finger on it. Certainly uh, Arctic Monkeys and Caitlin Rose and uh, Cass McCombs this week are all on some kind of special sort of balladry in some particular yeah. way. Um, anyway, so we're on to our last new track of the week, which is by um, Cass McCombs, and it's called Unproud Warrior. September the 2nd, 2017 That's your discharge date Etched in your soul It's been nearly two years now Gone by so fast like the fast food restaurants they built while you were away Pull into the drive-thru Speak into a box Discard the paper wrappers When you're through Like any other 
starts you to visit every time you turn on a movie and see a depiction that is far from your experience. Oh, oh, oh unproud warrior, unproud. When you enlisted You remember Essie Hinton wrote The Outsiders When she was just 15 Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein She was just 19 And at 23, Stephen Crane published The Red Badge of Courage Which is still known as one of the most realistic depictions of war Even though Crane was born after the Civil War ended Maybe sentiments of regret are not all that unrelatable. You've always taken length to be aware of your own choice. Whoa, whoa, I'm proud. McCombs um, with the track uh, Unproud Warrior and um, yeah I guess this one this one has layers this one is this one needs a little bit of uh, scratching away I think to to make sense of it it's not necessarily something that you will um, enjoy on a first listen necessarily it takes it takes a few but it does work on you I would say I would agree yeah it's it's a little bit of a downer but it's but it's got a potency to it, and yeah. it's got layers to it, as you say. And uh, yeah, I think it is worth unpicking. Um, before we do that, if I could just give you a little bit of background on Cass McCombs. So he is an American singer-songwriter. 
um, who's put out 10 plus albums uh, as well as countless singles and collaborations uh, since uh, the early 2000s. And he's very firmly embedded in the American alternative scene and he's played and shared bills with pretty much anyone who's anyone uh, in, in that world. Um, I must confess that I've not really given his work the time it probably deserves. There's been kind of odd moments that have popped up at different times. Um, for example, there's a, there's a track called County Line that he did a few years ago, which is really lovely. And uh, there's one album that I own by him. It's called Big Wheels and Others, which is uh, quite an impressive, weighty double statement that he did a few years ago as well. But yeah, he's one of those guys that's got such a big discography that it can feel a little bit daunting and a bit impenetrable at times. Yeah. And as I say, I probably haven't given him um, as much time as he deserves. Uh, this is a track from his just-released new album, uh, which is called Heart Mind. And it's a stylistically diverse and rhythmically adventurous outing for him, I would say, based on the few lessons that I've had so far. Um, this track in particular, kind of musically, it reminds me a little bit of Astro Weeks. You know, that kind of, it's got a kind of loose jazziness to it. Um, the way the kind of the fiddle and the sax kind of drift in and out of the mix is very Astro Weeks. Maybe a little bit of Desiree Desire Dylan as well in there. Um, and yeah, I, I know what you mean about the tone of it. So that while, while there's a real beauty in the playing, uh, there's also a kind of air of desolate resignation about the track that that kind of intrigues. And yeah, as I say, it kind of brings you down a little bit. But yeah. there's also a kind of there's also a kind of beauty in there as well. Um. And yeah, um, I mean, what, what's, what's your reading of the narrative of the track? Like, you know, when it when it talks about the character and the track being nearly two years um, out of being discharged, like, do you do you think that the discharge was honourable or dishonourable? Um, I, in a way, don't think that really matters. In a way, um, obviously, that would be a, a big a big detail, um, but I think. In a way, I, I'm I'm going to stop saying in a way. What I'm what I'm <laughs> saying when I say in a way is I'm thinking about it. Um, no, but I think that perhaps this isn't even really a song. This isn't a protest song, even though it is a folk song, and even though it's a song about someone who's left the army, it doesn't feel like a protest song to me. In fact, to me, it almost felt like the army detail was a kind of setup for talking about someone returning to normal life and you mm -hmm. can interpret that in a, a variety of ways um and also maybe a comment on aging as well and, and just changing as, as you get older i mean clearly there's lots of details about uh, the army element of things in his work but there's also um just really observational detail about picking yeah. up fast food and and all that sort of stuff so uh, to me almost i would say the music here is on the back seat. This could be spoken word, uh, almost. It is. It, it reminded me of. I don't. I don't want to go into like ludicrous, um, you know, uh, comparisons and, and illusions and stuff. But this reminded me of like reading a Cormac McCarthy novel, mm -hmm. where you've got like really bald and simple observation, which somehow, when you put it together, builds this picture of the United States of America and makes it sound poetic and dreadful at the same time. 
um, and then you, you have this character who's just loosely drawn, um, and but somehow very you know believable and, and cohesive. So it to me that the lyrics are a, are a masterful masterful piece of work. A little bit like the Arctic Monkeys track, um, the number of lessons that I've given it, there's probably more for me to kind of make sense of and and put together. But yeah, sorry, that was a really long answer to the question. I think it was honourable or dishonourable. I don't know. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, I totally agree with that kind of novelistic eye for detail that he's got. And he obviously mentions uh, some novelists in there as well. So S.E. Hinton, Mary Shelley and Stephen Crane. Yeah. Um, and they're all mentioned because you know they've achieved something quite young. You know, they've 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 done something that's that's kind of memorable at a young age. Um, the most telling reference for me is the Red Badge of Courage reference uh, to to the war novel. So in that story, you've got a young private who is fleeing the field of battle, and to me, the character in this track is uh, discharged for desertion. 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 <laughs> desertion. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for, uh, for me, the character in this this track is uh, discharged for desertion and um, so he's going to come to this realization that this isn't what he wants to do with his life so he returns to his previous life uh, but rather than getting this kind of uh, hero's welcome when he gets back home there's that real kind of sense of distance and alienation and dislocation from his surroundings um, you know that kind of idea of home becoming a, a foreign land um, and that, that really comes across in that reference to the McDonald's. So when he's like, you know, speaking into a box and, and you have that kind of physical distance there. And, and he says that people can't comprehend some of the choices that I've made. So, um, so, yeah, so yeah, I think that, that was my kind of reading of it. I don't know if that's true or not. But I think this is something to be said about the richness of the track that you can, you know, kind of read some of these things into it. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting track, a folky track. Um, that that kind of makes us think back to the sort of, you know, spoken word origins of folk. Um, but yeah. also does have this, and I've I've undersold it a little bit, but it does also have this shuffly, shifting, moving kind of uh, Americana kind of background there, um, mm. which which does add to the to the to the mood overall. So really yeah. interesting, a really interesting record, I think. Definitely, something about the 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 word choice of warrior rather than soldier as well that kind of places it in that folk tradition it just makes it feel you know more ancient and timeless in a way i think so that, that kind of like human struggle almost um so yeah i think it's a very clever track yeah the the real the real human struggle has been our audio issues tonight which hopefully folk haven't <laughs> picked up on too much of and hopefully i've managed to edit around them as best i can but listen guys sometimes that's just that's just the way it is um so we will uh We'll try and see if we can't fix that for, for future times. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks for sticking with us. Five new tracks we have reviewed this week. Five. Five of them. And uh, hopefully you've been so inspired by our podcast, you've zipped over to buymeacoffee.com, you've dropped us a couple of lattes. And um, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that this is um, our final segment of the week. Um, it is the vinyl word. And what we do is Andrew thinks about the tracks that we've reviewed this week. He goes to his... Uh, record-laden shelves and picks down um, a vinyl that he thinks matches up or speaks to or is somehow connected to 
um, the tracks that we've listened to this week. So, um, yeah, I'm just filling for time while he gets his notes together. But here we go, Andrew. It's this <laughs> week's uh, Vinyl Words. Yes, thank you. Uh, so for this week, uh, I've chosen yeah a, a record that means a lot to me, actually. Um, so in 2006, when the Arctic Monkeys went to the stage to collect their Mercury Prize uh, for their debut album, Alex Turner muttered the immortal line, someone called 999, Richard Hawley's been robbed. And um, his, his, his feeling was that Richard Hawley should have won that year for uh, this album, Cole's Corner. And I feel in a lot of ways like Alex Turner's whole career has been him trying to be Richard Hawley in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so there's that kind of mix of Northern wit style, class, emotion, romanticism. Um, you know, these are all qualities that Richard Tolley possesses and Alex Turner uh, definitely wants to kind of emulate. Um, I don't know, it's almost as if like Richard Tolley's given him a kind of roadmap to how to be a functioning musician and adult human yeah. in a way. And, um, you know, I think even in this new track, you can definitely detect a lot of uh, Richard Holly. I would say, and certainly the way those uh, strings have been uh, incorporated into the track. And uh, yeah, I just, I just really um, love Richard Holly. He's one of me and my dad's uh, kind of mutual favourites. And uh, this record, Cole's Corner, and in particular this track that we're going to play it with today, The Ocean, uh, just as I say, just mean a lot to me. Um, there's just a kind of resounding romantic rush uh, about this track that I just just get swept up, just get swept up in. Uh, put the part in the pun with the ocean, but yeah, I just I just love it. Um, so I, yeah, I, I thought it'd be a good one to play it with today. Excellent. I like that sometimes when we do a vinyl word, it's very like technical, and it's like there's this thing, and this is why it's interesting, and so on. But this one was just. I really like this one. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. As Richard Hawley is is cool AF. So um so yeah, well it's been a lovely podcast this week. Um with some some technical gremlins that we'll try and work on for next time. Um but uh, as always Andrew, total pleasure. Yes, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. And yep. uh, thanks guys for uh, sticking with us through the technical difficulties. And uh yeah, we'll see you next week. Cheers, bye. Enjoy this. You lead me down to the ocean. So lead me down. By the ocean You know it's been a long time You always leave me tongue-tied When all this time is for us I love you just because me down 
times for real It helps the heart to heal You know it breaks the seal of talisman that haunts And so you look at me in need The space that means as much to me So lead me down Dressed in your 